Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Do You Believe in Magic edition as the Super Bowl-bound Cincinnati Bengals get ready to face the Los Angeles Rams next week at the $5 billion palace known as SoFi Stadium. Coming up, we'll hear from a Hall of Fame coach who will be part of NBC's broadcast team next week, former Indianapolis and Tampa Bay head coach Tony Dungy. My broadcast partner Dave Lapham joins me to discuss Bengals coach Zach Taylor and team president Mike Brown. And in our Know the Foe segment, we'll catch up with the radio voice of the Rams, J.B. Long. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit OnLocationExp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events in the NFL, including Super Bowl 56. Here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since people who don't recline on airplanes. I'm 6'2", so perhaps I'm more sensitive to this than others. But when the person in front of me on a plane reclines way back, it's brutal. That seat is right in my lap. I know it's every passenger's right to recline, so I don't complain or shove the seat. But if you have to recline, how about just going back a little? The person behind you will appreciate it. Now, let's get to my guests, beginning with Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy. He'll be part of NBC's Super Bowl pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage, and he joined Lap and Me this week on the Bengals Pep Rally Show. Hey, great to be with you, Dan and Dave. And I don't know if I've talked to Dave since he gave me so many headaches when I was back coaching with the Steelers long ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago, Coach. That's a long <laughs> time ago. Uh, great to hear your voice. And uh, I, I want to – because you are a guy that every player of yours that I've ever talked to loves you, not just respects and likes you. I mean loves you as a person, as a human being. So, you know – People throw the term culture around so loosely, but you always established an unbelievable culture with your football team. Your locker rooms are always dynamic that way. What's more important, Coach, or are they equally important, culture or X's and O's? I think the culture is more important because you can have all the X's and O's you want in the world, uh, and it's not going to get you anywhere if you don't have that locker room together. And I'll tell you, I was there Wednesday doing interviews in Cincinnati of Bengal players and coaches for, for our pregame show. And I sensed it. I, I felt it. Mm. I, I felt the same thing four years ago when we had the, the Eagles. Uh, I was at the Eagles for four days. Mm. And I said, man, these guys, this is a different vibe. And I, I really came away impressed with Philadelphia. And I had the same impression with these young men. All they talked about was Coach Taylor and how he had – established how he brought winners in, how he brought unselfish guys in. And uh, I'll tell you what, in that day, I really, really felt that there is a strong winning culture there in Cincinnati. How about Joe Burrow in particular, Coach? Anything stand out from your interactions with Joe? I actually didn't talk to Joe. Drew Brees did that interview. You know, I I watched it from afar, and I I watched him. But just in talking to other players, uh, I asked uh, DJ Reader, what in the world, how could you be a free agent 
and decide to come to a two-win team when you had your choice of going anywhere. And he said, hey, I wanted to play with Joe Burrow. I knew they were going to be good when they got this guy. And he wasn't even there yet, I don't think. But just, uh, you know, the, the fact that he was going to be there. So many players talking about his impact, his leadership. Um, it was just, it was great to hear. It really did. It reminded me of our guys talking about Peyton Manning. It really did. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about, Coach. When you got a guy like Peyton Manning who's football menza, I mean, he has a beautiful mind for the game. It's just it's incredible how much information he can absorb and, and be able to sort through it at the most opportune time to answer a problem that a defense is presenting, whatever. And do you think or have you felt like Joe Burrow? I'm not saying he's Peyton Manning. I mean, that, that would be very premature, obviously. But do you think he could track – along those ways with that mind that he has football-wise? I, I do, and he, I think his players sense that. It's the poise, it's the confidence, it's, it's not getting rattled. When we have a couple of bad series, we're, we're going to have the answer. When it's that third and uh, critical third down in the, in the Kansas City game, and Chris Jones comes almost untouched. Yep. And some way, just able to get away, keep his wits, make the first down, and not, you know, oh, how did we blow this blocking assignment? But, no, I, I'm going to make something happen. And I think that's what the players sense. You know, no matter what happens, Joe's in control. He's going to make something good out of it, and we're going to move forward. And when you have that type of confidence in your leader, it, it, it impacts everyone. Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy is our guest. Before being a great head coach, you were highly successful for your work as a defensive coach. And let's talk about the Bengals' Defensive performance last week, seven possessions in the second half for the Chiefs without scoring a touchdown. How remarkable was that, in your opinion? Well, it was really remarkable, especially after the first half, where right. in the first half there were four drives that went right up and down the field, and the fourth one stopped at the one-yard line. But everything Kansas City seemed to do was working. Mm -hmm. And they made some adjustments. They kept their poise and came back with a, a confidence. And you don't normally see that. I mean, sometimes you see people come in and, hey, we blanketed the Chiefs and we had a great game plan. But to do it after uh, being being struck so quickly, uh, that, that was uh, very impressive to me. Coach, how big a deal is position versatility? You have a, a Swiss Army knife like Sam Hubbard who, you know, in his high school days at Moeller High School, a very successful program here in Cincinnati, was a safety, and then ended up getting bigger and stronger, moved to linebacker. Ohio State went from linebacker to defensive lineman, so he's got some athleticism. So they play him at linebacker some. He was spying, and, you know, and then the late rush. To have a guy like that or guys like that on your defensive football team, how does that uh, – what kind of an edge does that give you to have that athletic versatility? Well, that versatility helps, and you always want athletes. But what I love is the, the guys who understand what's going on. So Sam is able to, to play in different spots but know what to do. Right. And I was speaking to Von Bell, and, hey, we've got a couple things going on here, and we had to make some changes, and we had to show this but look like this because this is what Mahomes was seeing. And um, Jesse Bates, you know, on the big interception. Well, here's what was going on. We had a double on Tyreek Hill, but I knew that's where Mahomes was going. So I just was able to come out of center field and, and shift over that way a little bit. Guys who understand the game, it, it makes such a difference. Tony Dungy is our guest. A lot of us, Coach, look at this matchup and think, all right, if we've got to pick out a specific positional battle, 
It's the Bengals' offensive line trying to block Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, etc. Is that the matchup that you kind of have your eyes on at this stage? <laughs> it absolutely is. And, Dave, I know you're going to relate oh, yeah. to this. But um, they're evenly matched across the board. You know, the Rams have some really, really good receivers. Well, so, so do the Bengals. Mm-hmm. The Bengals have a great quarterback who's playing well and playing hot. Well, so do the Rams. And uh, you can go up and down the line. The one difference seems to be here's a team that creates a lot of pressure with their front, the Rams, and a team that struggled in pass protection, uh, Cincinnati. And that's where it's going to be won or lost to me. If Cincinnati gives Joe Burrow time to throw, they're going to move the ball. These guys are going to get open. He's going to throw it accurately, and uh, they're going to make plays. And I think if I was sitting in the Rams' seat, if I'm Raheem Morris, I would say, you know what, the one chance we have, you guys up front, you have to dominate the game. You have to get pressure. That's the way we're going to win the game. And if Cincinnati can come up with a way to protect, I think they will move the ball and score and win the ball game. So special teams, the all-important third phase, you know, the hidden yards. And I think there's only been one punt return touchdown in Super Bowl history, I I believe. So there haven't been, you know, those unscripted, unconventional scores as such. But field position is always a huge factor. The bigger the game, the bigger the hidden yards are. You see it that way in this one? Yeah, that, that's always important, and you, you've got to, you know, catch the ball in your punt returns. The kickoff game in today's game is pretty much neutralized. Right. You're getting the ball at the 25 most of the time. So how is it going to change? Decision-making by your coaches, who's going to be aggressive? Hey, we're going for it on fourth down rather than punt them, but rather than punt them in there. And uh, so coaching decisions can make that difference. Uh Punting the football, one or two opportunities to pin people down and close. Don't let the ball bounce as a return, man. Don't fumble a return and change the, the field position. But I think the field position will be turnovers and, and takeaways. And, right. and I think it will be pretty balanced if neither team turns the ball over. Final question, Coach, and we appreciate you so much for carving time out of your schedule. I know it must be crazy busy. If you, as a Hall of Fame coach, Super Bowl winning coach, what would your piece of advice be if you could sit down with Zach Taylor uh, and McVeigh, Sean McVeigh, the, the day before the game and say, I'd like you to say this to your football team before the Super Bowl? I would go back to something uh, my coach Chuck Knoll used to tell us when I was with the Steelers every game. And it didn't matter if it was the first preseason game or the Super Bowl. He would say, uh, you win with fundamentals. You don't have to bigger the game get. You don't have to up your production. You don't have to raise your level of play. Mm-hmm. You have to do what you always do in crucial situations. So to me, the team that can play their game, not worry that it's the Super Bowl, not think they have to do something special or something spectacular, but do what they do, play in and play out, that's who's going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Coach Dungy, you are a Hall of Famer in every sense of that expression. Congratulations on a remarkable career, and thank you so much for joining us on our show today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Looking forward to seeing the game and uh, very, very excited. And I was, I'll tell you what, just coming into Cincinnati and seeing the excitement there, it really 
made me feel good. The flight attendants on the flight coming in, hey, are you going to cover up my Bengals? <laughs> and the, the rental car place, everywhere was just excited. And, and you love to see that. And you know what? Let me say one more thing, too. I really have to commend Mike Brown mm-hmm. in this day and age. He hired a coach. He believed in the coach. The first year they won two games. The second year they won four games. How many other places of the other 32 teams, when the head coach wins six games in two years, do they make a change? Yep. And Mike Brown said, no, this is a staff I believe in, and it paid off. And I, I think that's a message to the rest of the league. Stick with your guys and, and have confidence, have faith in the choices that you made. And, and I, I just – I, there's a part of me I want the Bengals to win just for that, so so that maybe the rest of the league gets that message. Here, here, Coach. You're the best, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Tony's comments about the Bengals sticking with Zach Taylor are the perfect segue to our next topic because Friday marked the three-year anniversary of the Bengals naming him head coach. Before I discuss Zach with Dave Lapham, here's what team president Mike Brown had to say about Coach Taylor just before his first season got underway. You're getting ready to start a new season with a new head coach. What about Zach Taylor impresses you? Oh, he's a bright young guy. Uh, he's dedicated uh, coaching. He uh, is offensive-oriented. Uh, uh, I like that. I uh, think my father was that way. Uh, I... Uh, I've never been a coach, but I like to think in those terms, and uh, I focus on the offense first and foremost, too. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if uh, we can get things together and be the kind of team we want to be. We'll see how quickly that can come about, but I I think Zach has the right ingredients. Well, how quickly part turned out to be three years uh, but interesting to hear Mike at the time talk about his feelings for why the Bengals chose Zach Taylor as the head coach. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the head coach prior was defensive-oriented with Marvin Lewis, and there was some success there. But I, Mike Brown is predisposed to the offensive side of football. I think he feels more comfortable, you know, uh, in dialogue on that side of the football from a philosophical standpoint. And uh, there's there's no question, whenever anybody spends time with Zach Taylor – and does a deep dive into what his mind is like from an offensive standpoint, this guy's, you know, we, we talk about Joe Burrow all the time, you know, being a football savant. Zach Taylor has a brilliant offensive mind. I mean, he knows his offensive football. There's no question about it. And, you know, other coaches on the staff, I mean, Brian Callahan, there's, these guys are all, um, you know, Dan Pitcher, just go right down the line, Frank Pollock, the coaching staff, has gelled, and that's important. Everybody knows their role. Everybody knows their lane. Everybody knows what they're responsible for. Nobody, you know, tries to step on another guy's territory, another guy's toes, and it is clicking right now. And and that's what that's what Paul Brown was so good at. Paul Brown was like, I know what I want. I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to hire guys and designate them with responsibilities, and if they can't do it, I'll fire them. But once I hire them, I'm going to let them do it. But if they prove to me they can't, they're gone. So that's that's what uh, they, I think they've found a combination of, of guys that just gelled and hit it off uh, in terms of the coaching staff and then the players as well, as we talked about. You know, it's it's like it's like 
one big we are family. That's what it is. It's like another another uh, redo of that uh, that famous lyric, we are family. Darren Simmons has been the Bengals special teams coordinator now for 19 years, the first 16 under Marvin Lewis, the last three under Zach Taylor. So he's got an interesting perspective about the two most recent Cincinnati Bengals head coaches. I haven't been with Coach Lewis and Zach. They have very different styles. You know, Marvin's probably more of an old school guy. Zach is 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 more new school. So it's it's been I say new school. It's been great to be a part of of seeing, uh, you know, how you deal with players. Um, it's been different in the fact that uh, you know Marvin was more of a head coach. I mean, he you know he really managed the whole team. He didn't really call defenses that much. You know, he had a defensive background. He didn't call a lot of defense except for you know there are a couple of spots that he did. But you know, Zach has to deal with with calling offensive plays, trying to manage the in-game situations and trying to manage the whole team. It's it's unbelievable how, how he can manage all that and, and shows his capacity. And it's, it's been really neat to be a part and see all that. But it, it's unbelievable the way that he deals with the players, the, the level of confidence that uh, he brings to our guys. I, I think our guys trust him, our guys believe in him. And, uh, you know, he's really made great strides, you know, from 2019 to now. It's been a, a, a really a, an unbelievable credit to him how he's really evolved, evolved and developed. And I've learned a ton from that, too. Well, Darren Simmons used the term great strides. Do you see any obvious ways that Zach Taylor improved in his three years as the Bengals head coach? I think that uh, the the log that he keeps, I think it's served him well. You know, he has a journal, like a football diary as such, that he keeps – on a daily basis and it's pretty extensive and it's all handwritten and it's his reference, you know? And, and I think, you know, as the old saying goes, make, make the mistake once, you know, shame on you, make the mistake twice, shame on me. It's, he's not going to, he's not going to make the same mistake multiple times. And that's all you can ask for. You know, you grow, you learn, you grow from your experiences. And, and uh, honestly, the, the one, the one franchise that Zach Taylor could have survived six twenty-five and one in the first two years is Mike Brown and the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think Zach is acutely aware of that. And they, they just feel, I, I think, at this stage now, with the payoff, the greatest turnaround in NFL history, no question, the greatest turnaround in NFL history. Um, they feel comfortable with each other right now, and and but the thing that was. Very, very a credit to all. Even when they were struggling and and going through the tough times, they had the same vision, and they're like, you know, let's just keep plugging. Let's just keep plugging and try to get there. And the patience that everybody showed with each other, and the persistence that everybody showed with each other, it paid off. And you got to tip your cap to them. I mean, there there really isn't. <laughs> it would not take long to call roll on on other owners and franchises in the National Football League that would have gone through 6-25-1 in a two-year stretch and said, we're good. Let's take that a step further because there were a lot of people at the end of last year that said, well, if they're going to keep Zach Taylor, at least they've got to change defensive coordinators. Right. And when the Bengals did not make changes either with the OC, Brian Callahan, or the DC, Lou Anarumo, there were plenty of people that said, well, that's, you know, that's just a joke. Well, you're happy you have Lou Anarumo now because last week was his ultimate masterpiece, uh, the second-half performance against Kansas City in a year where the Bengals' defense has consistently por- uh, performed well. And, and I think that's a tribute to Zach because you know Zach in the meetings with the family said he stood up on the table for his coordinators. 
He said, if you're gonna if you're gonna be patient with me, please, you know, I, I'm working with these guys every day. I know what I see. I know what's happening. I know all the ins and outs of why things are happening. Um, some things are beyond. A lot of things are beyond these guys' control. You know, let's just let's just let it play out. And uh, and they did. And sometimes the best decision you can make is to not make a decision like that. You know, it's it's like uh, stay status quo. Sometimes can be the best decision. It it'll uh, it'll frustrate people. There's no question. I mean, human nature is quick change. You know, uh, move on, move on. You, you get away from that. That's we don't want to have. Uh, if you're having success over and over and over again, obviously that's that's great. But if you're struggling, you know, multiple consecutive years or whatever, or whatever it is in your workplace, I mean, you, you feel like you're going to get fired, or if you're a manager, you're going to fire somebody. It's it's very rare uh, to to do what the Bengals and Mike Brown decided to do. It really is, particularly in this era of football. And uh, it paid huge dividends going to the Super Bowl. And if they can win this Super Bowl, oh, my God. It would be unbelievable. It really would be unbelievable. From 2-14 and 14 and 4-11-1 and one to a Super Bowl trophy, a Lombardi trophy to stick in the, in the lobby, what? It's crazy. I mean – about flying back from the Super Bowl with a Lombardi trophy and flash back to that first year, how many road games in a row? It was just like, I mean, you were you were getting on a plane and flying to, you know, hell basically, you know. I mean, it was it was just there was no pleasure in those road trips. You'd fly back, you know, just kind of shaking your head again, scratching your head and shaking it. And I, I can't imagine what the coaches were going through. I mean, it's Zach, how about how about the story he told when he and Brian Callahan when they played the Rams the first time and they said you know let's just figure out how we can get a yard against Aaron Donald and they were having trouble tr- even figuring that out. I mean, you talk about coming a long way, baby. <laughs> that's that's uh man, that's that's memories where all those building blocks, all those foundational building blocks that you had to you had to put in place in the right way. Before the thing would would uh, would be able to be built upon, and that's that was a long, long arduous process. More from Lap in a moment, but first, here's a quick reminder that the Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This year, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autograph merchandise, and money can't buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Imagine this. One week from Sunday, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell lifts the Lombardi Trophy, turns to his right, and hands it to Mike Brown. What a moment that would be. Here are Tyler Boyd and Zach Taylor sharing their thoughts on the Bengals owner. I think the good thing about Mike is I think he's one of the few owners in this league that actually comes to every practice, every walkthrough, and just they're supporting the team, no matter what the conditions are, you know, uh, cold, hot, you know, he's always out there. And every time, you know, I go over there and chop it up with him and, and just talk football, you know, like, like, like we're friends, you know, and, and, and he, he's always been a good guy and, and always respectful. And um, I'm, I'm very appreciative of, of, of the opportunity he gave me. He, he's been tremendous. You know, I, I've been here for three years now. Um, you know, he's one of the most genuine people I've ever been around. He's supportive, understanding, realistic. 
Um, and so, again, we've gotten the support from ownership. Everything that we've um, needed to discuss and talk through, they've been nothing but supportive. They've given everything we've needed since I've been here. Um, and, and so certainly they are they're as valuable as anything in where we're at today. In the last two off-seasons, the Bengals have spent more than $250 million on free agents, most of them on the defensive side of the ball. That has completely turned the defense around. They have added a ring of honor. Mm-hmm. And uh, in talking about what Tyler Boyd was mentioning, how Mike Brown is there for every practice every day, regardless of the weather conditions or whatever, I asked Mike about that once, why he feels that it's you know so important to be there, why he enjoys that so much. And he said, there's literally nothing I would rather do. I would rather sit in my cart watching a practice than be on a beach uh, in some spectacular location. It is what fascinates him more than anything else every day of his life. It's it's he's not the typical owner in that he has other business interests and ventures and and just uh, it's a little hobby, little sideline, little way to entertain your rich buddies. You know, this is his life. Mm-hmm. It's his business. It's his life. And how great at the age of eighty six to have your daughter, your son in law, your son, their children. I mean, he's got three generations that are experiencing this and they're experiencing together. I mean, to be blessed at the age of 86 to see it happen with the franchise when, you know, all it, it's truly a family organization and it is everything to them. And, you know, people, uh, you know, people are going to be like, ah, yeah, whatever. I'm serious now. He, th- this is as important to him as anything is to anybody. Yep. I'm not kidding you. It is, it's, it's that big of a deal. And, I'm sure he's. Uh, I'm sure he's thinking about his father quite a bit at the, at this stage. There's no no question about it. All the all the time he spent with him and all the lessons learned and everything else, and his brother Pete, who had a big big impact on the organization from a personnel standpoint for many many years. I mean, it's it's all about Mike Brown is fiercely loyal to family. I mean, family is first and foremost. A number one, no questions asked. I mean, number two is a long way down from that number one on the list of being family. There are 12 NFL franchises who are yet to win a Super Bowl. The Bengals obviously are on the list. They've been twice, 1981 and 1988. They've been close. We'll see if the third trip to the Super Bowl is the charm. In previous conversations with Mike Brown, we have discussed the Bengals' two previous Super Bowl trips. You went to your first Super Bowl in 1981, and you've told me in the past that the loss to the 49ers was the most painful one in uh, Bengals history because you thought Cincinnati had the better team. Aside from the game, what stands out about that first Super Bowl experience? Well, it was bitterly cold. Uh, We were up in Detroit, and and, uh, the day of the game, uh, I remember a story about that. Uh, Jerry Richardson, who went on later to buy the Carolina team, came to the game with uh, his two sons. And he told the story how they got there before the gates opened. They uh, had to stand out in the cold, and it was so cold and so bitterly cold with the wind that they all got into garbage cans. <laughs> Shouted himself from the wind. There was literally three inches of ice in the parking lot, but the game came on, and and uh, uh, we just couldn't hang on to the ball. Uh, I don't mean to say they weren't a good team; they were a fine team, a great team. I think in my heart that if we hadn't stubbed our toe 
uh, we would have won, but we didn't, that's for sure. And then afterwards, uh, uh, Vice President Bush was right next to where we were, and uh, they had to get him out of the stadium. <laughs> that meant that all the rest of us had to sit there and wait for about a half an hour before we were allowed to move. <laughs> we went down to the locker room, and uh, this had been a season of celebration and jubilation. And I walked into our locker room, and it was just quiet as a tomb. There wasn't anybody in there. The media wasn't in there. They were all across the hall in the 49ers <laughs> locker room. <laughs> that, that made an impression on me. Driving back to the uh, hotel, I had a, a headache like I have never had since. <laughs> it uh, got me to the core, that one. Uh, the second one, we weren't the better team, but we hung in there, and we had a chance to win. At the uh, end, uh, Lewis Phillips had an opportunity to intercept a ball in the end zone, and it went right into his stomach, and he didn't catch it. We uh, dropped it, and we lost the game. But we fought hard in that game. Both teams uh, were memorable teams to me, and I uh, uh, have uh, wonderful memories about uh, both of them. We might not have won our chances at the Super Bowl, but those teams were special, and they're still that in my mind. Love talking about Bengals history and football history with Mike Brown. Like you, he is a great storyteller. I love being a fly on the wall when you two guys uh, go back and forth with their stories that uh, we've enjoyed at breakfast on uh, road trips over the years. And I really hope that this is the year that he gets to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. So do I. It, w- it would be awesome. It would be great. And... uh one quick thing about when you mentioned George Bush, when we were going to the Super Bowl, they were escorting him to the state. It took us forever to get there. I mean, you know, the, the police escorts and all that. I mean, we're like, what the hell's going on? Oh, the president. Oh, my gosh. Can he go at a different time? <laughs> <laughs> it took forever. But, you know, those are the things you uh, you deal with for sure. But, yeah, I, I would like to see um, Mike Brown have that that moment of, pure, unadulterated joy of winning a world championship, being being a Super Bowl champion. That would be incredible. I had the opportunity to do a one-on-one interview with Mike this week, and you will hear it on this podcast later in the week. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit onlocationexp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events all season long, including next week's Super Bowl. Now time for our Know the Foe segment, as Lap and I visit with the voice of the Rams, J.B. Long. Our first topic, Andrew Whitworth, who spent his first 11 NFL seasons in Cincinnati before spending the last five with the Rams. You know, I was just kind of updating my pro football focus rankings by player, by position, as I do as part of my weekly game prep. And it continues to baffle me that even at the ripe age of 40 and I think giving pretty clear signs that this is going to be his last professional football game. He was a top five tackle. And I think that speaks to Andrew's diligence, the way that he's taken care of his mind and body and the way he's kind of reinvented himself with each season of his career. The years that he's given the Rams, I think have been the underpinning for almost all of their success, Uh, protecting Jared Goff, protecting Matthew Stafford, 
but also leading an offensive line that in many instances was cobbled together and didn't have a ton of resources devoted to it other than his free agent signing. Uh, he's been a pleasure to be around. I don't have to tell you or this audience uh, what a great person he is, what a great family man, and how fun the Whitworths are. Uh, I think as much as anything, when we look at why the Rams and the Bengals are going to be playing the final game of this season, the commonality is Andrew Whitworth, and it's poetic in so many ways. Stafford, obviously, put all the chips on the table, put, slid all the chips to the middle of the table. Um, they wanted to be not only good at the quarterback position, they wanted to be great. Are they great at the quarterback position? I think they are, especially down the stretch and especially when it matters most. I mean, if, if I'm ever going to come around and believe in the so-called clutch gene, <laughs> these are two of the quarterbacks that would have me believing. Like what they do on third and fourth down, what they do in the fourth quarter really has me convinced. I go back to a, a late game week 17 in Baltimore when the Rams division hopes and two seed were really on the line. And I think that was the moment more than any other where Matthew Stafford overcame a handful of turnovers, um, led them down the field, found Odell Beckham Jr. on fourth down, and then subsequently the game-winning touchdown. And that was really felt the Detroit Lions magic. Um, but I, I think you're right to point out the Rams kind of put their chips in the middle of the table and tried to level up at the most influential position in sports. But I'm cognizant of reminding all audiences that Matthew Stafford really put this in motion, right? Like after a dozen seasons in Detroit where he was beloved and he's a record-setting quarterback, right. he asked to, to move to a different venue and a different franchise so that what was left of his prime could be spent pursuing championships. Right. And he did so respectfully and in a way that I think maintained his great relationships in the Motor City. But he was the first mover here. And I think while he has been everything that the Rams had hoped he would be. Sean McVay and the Rams on offense and defense and special teams have also been everything that he could have been looking for in his second NFL franchise. Our thanks to J.B. Long, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game, and by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.